The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel. walked away from him if they if they could have they would have renounced him in a second cursed him and walked away these were people who had witnessed participated in the glorious deliverance from the egyptian bondage and slavery and persecution These were people who had been brought out in mighty demonstrations of power. These were people who had been trapped at the Red Sea and cried out in bitterness against Moses. But they couldn't leave because the Egyptian army was right behind them, and if they tried to walk away, they'd be killed. So then Moses lifts his staff up, the staff of judgment over the waters, and those waters parted, they fled, and there was dry ground for them to walk across. The mighty hand of God moved and delivered them one more time. Took them across that impossible dry ground land bridge through the Red Sea. 
They got to the other side, and Moses lifted up his rod of judgment once more, and those waters closed over the Egyptian army. They saw the bodies as they floated on the water, as they came up and floated onto the shore. Soldiers, warriors drowned in the Red Sea. They set out from the Red Sea, and they came to Marah. And they couldn't drink the water. And they murmured and grumbled and were angry with Moses because it was his fault. He'd brought them out here to die. No, he hadn't. He'd saved them from bondage and slavery and and persecution and the killing of their babies. He had delivered them through the Red Sea by the power of God's mighty rod of judgment against the Egyptians. Now at Mara, he finds a piece of wood, a tree, and he casts it in the water. And the water is made sweet and safe. The cross of Jesus did that for us. They drink all they want. And then they move on from Mara. They're now a month and a half. They've been walking, camping, They've been following a magnificent Shekinah glory cloud of the living God as it gives their camp light at night. They've been following the cloud that gives them coolness during the day in that hot desert. They see the visible sign and presence of Almighty God. But now they're out of food. They have left Elam with its 12 springs and 70 palm trees. And they come to the wilderness of sin. The wilderness of sin is the testing place of both faith and love. They had adequate reason to pour their hearts out in love to the Lord God of heaven. He had given them water to drink. He had delivered them across the Red Sea. He had delivered them out of the bondage of slavery. He had shown them signs and wonders beyond anything any people had ever seen in the history of the human race. And now they come to the wilderness of sin, which means homeless. Homeless. No one would build their home in the wilderness of sin. It was a desolate place. It was between Elam and Sinai. And there, in the desert, in the wilderness of sin, aptly named, the whole community begins to grumble and murmur and get angry and bitter and say, if we'd only had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt, and in the Hebrew it's a curse, misusing the name of God. They said, there we sat around pots of meat and ate all the food we wanted, but you've brought us out into this desert to starve this entire assembly to death. And God, in his wonderful grace and mercy, did not judge them. Now, these lessons that I'm going over with the children of Israel are lessons for us today. The human heart has not changed. Except those who have utterly given themselves into the hand of Jesus, they've been transformed. So, today's message, the trial of faith and love, will be, for some of you, a painful test of how you stand with Almighty God. You're listening to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Ray Greenley, the pastor of the National Prayer Chapel. We are right now a small house church, but very soon that will change. The Lord is opening the way for which I rejoice. But 
We're looking at now the month of January for the radio bill, and we are still $2,600 short. And yesterday there were no calls. I'm going to give you that number again. I'm going to teach today. I'm going to teach all this week instead of doing offertories. Two of my elders at the National Prayer Chapel have urged me not to do an offertory. Instead, they are each saying, we are praying that God will give to each of us the money and we will give it as a gift to Jesus. Their hearts are stirred with compassion for the people of this city. And they want to be the first to give that $2,600. Would you like to be the first who gives to help cover this $2,600? You're welcome to be. If you would call right now, 877-534-0780. I am walking by faith and in love, knowing that Jesus will cover the month of January 2020. By his grace and by his mercy, I stand by faith. I'm not going to waver. All things can be done by the hand of the Lord God of heaven, and I'm trusting he's moving right now in your heart and that you will give as the Lord calls you. This is a faith ministry. If we don't have that 2600 covered, we'll have to cancel our radio broadcast. I won't go in debt. But I also am hearing to teach, and that's a real test of, of my faith and of my love. And so I'm going to endure the test and praise Jesus, and I know I'm going to come through on the other side with a great testimony of victory. I'll share it with you. I don't know if you will open the door for one of the elders to give or if he will cause one of you to give. I'm putting it all before the Lord. So if you'd like to participate, please call 877-534-0780. You'll speak with Drew. He's a dear brother who is the producer for this broadcast. He doesn't need your name, your phone number. All he needs is the amount Jesus is calling you to pledge. And he'll give you the address where you can send it. Or you can go to our webpage, nationalprayerchapel.com, and you can give online. Now let's come back to our story. O Lord, as I share these lessons out of the book of Exodus, I pray you will quicken our hearts and give us the patience to hear them. I pray in your holy name. Amen. Now, this message you've heard before, you've read the scriptures, I'm sure, or you've heard the story of the children of Israel in the desert, What makes today different is that we're going to deal with your heart. We're going to deal with your heart and my heart. And you're going to endure a test, a trial of your faith and of your love. I'll explain more in just a moment. The whole community receives the bread from heaven. It's not from human hands. It's from God's hand. It's it's literally the food of angels. Well, we've got a telephone ringing, and I apologize for that. I just turned it off. I usually have that done before the broadcast, but I didn't. This bread from heaven... Is, is pure, it's clean. It is delivered in huge quantities and it is placed on the dew. And the people must go out early in the morning to gather it on their knees 
This bread is a a looking forward to the coming of the bread of heaven, Jesus. And it too requires us early in the morning to be on our face before God. This morning I was wide awake at 3.30, began to pray. I couldn't do anything but praise the name of Jesus and worship him. I lifted before him this broadcast and you. I prayed for many by name. And then finally, about six, I went back to sleep. It's required that we go early to pray, to be in the presence of our God. Moses said, you are not grumbling against us, but against the Lord. And the bread was given. Now, we're going to look at Exodus, the 17th chapter today, and also the 20th chapter. These are extremely sober stories out of this book of Exodus. And I want to read for you what is said in the New Testament. I don't want you to be ignorant, 1 Corinthians 10, of the fact, brothers, that our forefathers were all under the cloud and they all passed through the sea They were all baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. They all ate the same spiritual food and drank the same spiritual drink. For they drank from the spiritual rock that accompanied them, and that rock was Christ, Messiah. Nevertheless, God was not pleased with most of them, and their bodies were scattered over the desert. Now these things occurred as examples to keep us from setting our hearts on evil things as they did. So do not be idolaters as some of them were, as it's written, the people sat down to eat and drink and got up to indulge in pagan revelry. We should not commit sexual immorality as some of them did, and in one day 23,000 of them died. We should not test the Lord as some of them did. They were killed by snakes. And do not grumble as some of them did. They were killed by the destroying angel. These things happened to them as examples and were written down as warnings for us on whom the fulfillment of the ages has come. So if you think you're standing firm, be careful, be careful that you don't fall. No temptation has seized you except that which is common to man. And God is faithful. He'll not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you're tempted, he will also provide you a way out so that you can stand up under it. Therefore, my dear friends, flee from idolatry. Flee. The Lord first gave me the revelation of of repentance. And for a number of years, I preached repentance. And some people said, you sound like John the Baptist. All you preach is one sermon, repent. That was true. And the congregation grew. And then I was given the wonderful revelation of righteousness as a free gift given to us, not by impartation, by impartation, not by imputing. This imparting was a free gift of Jesus to us, to make us righteous. And I began to read carefully John Wesley and understand what entire sanctification was. I also read books by Malcolm Lavender, given to me by 
a dear brother and friend in Christ. The night I first preached righteousness to the National Prayer Chapel, at the conclusion, a whole group of people stood up at the end of the service, approached me, and said, Pastor, this is the last time we'll come to the prayer chapel. We do not believe what you just preached tonight. We believe that we will always be sinners until we die, and when we die, we'll be made righteous. So we're just going to do the best we can do until the coming of Jesus. You're preaching that a man can be made righteous as a free gift from Jesus. We do not believe that. And that whole group of people, maybe 15 people, walked out that night, and I've never seen them or heard from them again. And then Jesus gave us the revelation of the Holy Spirit and the baptism of the Holy Spirit and that every believer who has come to Jesus and submitted themselves unto him and have prayed and been baptized in the Spirit, you cannot belong to Jesus if you have not been baptized in the Spirit. I'm not talking about Pentecost power. I'm talking about the indwelling Holy Spirit as spoken of in the book of Ephesians. That indwelling Holy Spirit that brings total victory into the life of a Christian. Now, what's interesting is I have walked this road. I've made many mistakes. I recognize that. And I've repented of those mistakes. They were not intentional. Sometimes the way I dealt with people, sometimes actions that I took, but it's interesting the way people respond. One dear brother by the name of Aaron, and I'm going to use your name, Aaron, please forgive me. I, on a fairly regular basis, will get text messages from my brother Aaron. Always he is moving more deeply into the scriptures. Always he is speaking a truth to me that Jesus is revealing to his heart. Always he is speaking a word of encouragement and love and support. I treasure him. He's in the midst of a very, very painful trial with his wife dying of cancer. She is very sick. I pray for Aaron, and I pray for his precious wife. I know what that journey is like. I lost my wife to cancer also. And then I receive text messages or emails from people who are always contentious. Always. They'll text me and say, you shouldn't say that on the radio. You're wrong and they're grumpy. They just failed the test of of faith and love. This is a very painful issue for me and for most pastors. I have suffered at the hands of supposedly called God's people a great deal more than I have suffered at the hands of any pagan or non-Christian. I've suffered at the hands of people like the children of Israel, who when things don't go the way they want them to go, they just get angry and say, I'm out of here. I'm leaving. I'm not going to walk with you anymore. I'm at the end of my rope with you. Can you imagine Jesus saying, look, I'm tired of you. I can't walk with you anymore. I am leaving. I am gone. What? Jesus has never done that to me. He always is compassionate and merciful. Yes, he disciplines me. And you know what? I have precious friends who are willing to speak the truth in love to me and not walk away. And sometimes they've been very straight with me and just saying, Pastor, 
You are wrong. What you are doing is not right. And sometimes I've listened and sometimes I haven't. And when I haven't listened, I've gotten in a great deal of painful trial and testing. I used to say, it's Jesus and me. I can face anything with me and Jesus. I don't say that foolishness anymore. I need Jesus and I need his people. I need brothers and sisters who will not walk away when they don't get their way or when they don't understand something or judgments and accusations beginning to flow. I mean, just this last week, I I received a text message from a man who used to be a brother being very critical, condemning, in fact. Now I have a choice. I either respond in condemnation and judgment back or I just say, Lord, I give him to you. And I do. In love, in mercy, in kindness. What is it in a person's heart that causes them to judge so severely another brother or sister? Now, please hear me. This is a serious trial of faith and love. The children of Israel were being taken, as everyone will be who is a follower of Jesus Christ. We will be taken into trial after trial after trial, and our faith will be tested, and our love will be tested. And if we fail we'll be led back around to another trial and another test. What is it that causes this? I believe it's because a person is unable to get what they want, what they believe is rightfully theirs. They don't get the respect they demand. They don't get the cooperation they demand. They don't get what they believe to be right. Oh, there's nobody more dangerous in the world than someone who knows what is right. Just ask them. I used to belong to a a denomination, and the number one issue in that denomination was, we have the truth. What? The truth is Jesus Christ. If you have Jesus Christ, you're not going to act like the devil. It's so easy for people who think they have the truth to align their actions with the demonic and begin to accuse the Satan, the devil, the Beelzebub. He is the accuser of the brethren and the sisters. So if accusations are flowing from your heart and judgments and demands that another person meet your expectations... You're walking the same as the children of Israel did in the testing in the wilderness. And you're in grave danger before a holy and mighty and righteous God. Now what's so fascinating to me and painful to me is that there are times when I have made decisions that were absolutely wrong. And I have hurt people and I've hurt the church. But in the midst of that, one person who has benefited greatly from the ministry, one person who's been treated with such love and kindness, their family's been treated with love and kindness, they will turn in bitter recrimination and walk away. While another person who's been treated with equal love and kindness whose family's been treated with love and kindness, remembers that kindness and says, Pastor, you're wrong, but I'm not leaving. We're going to walk this out, and I'm going to help you get back on track. 
What makes the difference between those two who respond to identical circumstances in such dramatically different ways? One, the first one, has not yet matured or grown up sufficiently in Jesus to be successful in the test of both faith and love. Sometimes it's shockingly surprising to see who can pass that test and who utterly fails it. There seems to be no rhyme or reason. One person who knows the scriptures well will, when they are confronted with what they don't like, become outrageously judgmental. And they will grab everything they can grab. They will hurt everyone they can hurt. And they will split. Because they have not yet grown in Jesus. I don't condemn them. There was a day when I was like that. I would cut people off if they didn't agree with me, or I would separate my friendship from them if if they were not doing what I thought they should be doing. I look back on that and weep. It was wrong of me. And I've had to go back and apologize, make amends, make restitution. Now let's look. Let's look at the scriptures for a moment. And by the way, you're listening to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Pastor Ray Greenley. This is a very touchy, difficult subject we're dealing with. The children of Israel and their constant rebellion against the Almighty and against Moses as their leader. Romans, the third chapter. Paul is writing this. There's not a righteous man, not even one, There's no one understanding. There's no one seeking God. Every conceivable man turned away. Together they became morally depraved. There's no one doing what is right. There's not so much as one. Their throat is like a grave. Having been opened, they were working deceit with their tongues and venom of deadly vipers is under their lips. Their mouth is full of cursing and bitter trouble. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Devastation and misery are in their ways. And a way of peace they know not. There's no fear of God before their eyes. That's Romans, the the third chapter. That is the accurate description of every human person. And then the grace of God begins to work its work of miraculous redemption in their lives. And all of us are at various different places in this account of the natural human man until we are utterly sanctified by the Holy Spirit and we are given a new spirit and we drink from the rock. We drink from Jesus. Now, Jesus addressed this issue. Let me read it for you. In the book of John, the seventh chapter, verse 37, on the last and greatest day of the feast, Jesus stood up and said in a loud voice, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, Streams of living water will flow from within him. By this he meant the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Up to that time the Spirit had not been given, since Jesus had not yet been glorified. At Pentecost something wonderful happened. There was a transformation available in the spirit and life of a person that had never before been so readily available to the human heart. 
Now Jesus comes and dwells in a person with the Father and with the Holy Spirit, and the Spirit flows out of the person's inner being. What is flowing out? Is recrimination flowing? No. Is judgment? No. Is bitterness and anger flowing? No. What's flowing out of that person? Forgiveness, mercy, kindness, straight and honest words of love, tough love, words of compassion and healing, words of fellowship and life. That doesn't happen until a person is filled with the Holy Spirit and until a person enters into entire sanctification. Now, in this story, in the 17th chapter of Exodus, they have come to Rephidim. They did not come to Rephidim by accident. They came to Rephidim at the direct command of the Lord. He brought them there. The Lord will bring you directly to a place where you will have to deal with a pastor or with a friend or with a person. And in that place, you will not get what you want. Or from that person, you will not get what you want. They will not measure up to your demands. And the question is, will you then quarrel and condemn and judge that person? They said to Moses, give us water to drink. Moses replied, why do you quarrel with me? Why do you put the Lord to the test? In Psalms it says they were saying, is the Lord able to do this or not? Well, of course he was able to do it. The people were thirsty for water. You can live without food for some time. I have fasted for 30 days, and another time I fasted for 40 days. And I didn't die. I was alive. I was even functional. But you can't last very long without water. And in the desert, even less time. Their livestock is bleating. They need water. The people and the children are crying. They need water. And they say to Moses, Why did you bring us up out of Egypt to make us and our children and our livestock die of thirst? Well, the fact is, Moses did not bring them out into the desert to die of thirst. He brought them out into the desert as a journey, as a testing of faith and love to bring them into the promised land. You are on that same journey. You are faith facing tests of faith and love to see if you will pass, if you will allow the Holy Spirit to come and dwell in you and have the waters rising up in your spirit, the waters of healing and compassion and love and mercy and grace, kindness. Or will the bitterness of the human heart flow from you? because you do not have the Holy Spirit, because you've grieved him by your sin and your attitude. Look at what Moses did. I love this man. Then Moses cried out to the Lord, What am I to do? He didn't renounce leading the children of Israel. He didn't walk away. He didn't say, a curse be upon you and your families. He turned to the Lord and he said, what shall I do? We're $2,600 short of our ability to pay for the radio for the month of January. What did I do? I followed this example. I went to the Lord and said, Lord, what shall I do? And two elders answered me and said, the Lord is saying, don't do an offertory. Instead, tell the people, we're $2,600 short. 
And then the two elders began to pray that God would give them the money and stand by faith that they would be able to pay the entire amount. But as I prayed about it, I heard, don't make this secret, make this public. Let God's people participate in paying for the work of the gospel. What are you willing to sacrifice for the gospel of Jesus? Will you pass the test of faith and love? Will you go to God and say, Lord, what shall I do? What shall I do? Will you walk in faith and obedience before God and give as he calls you to? Can you pass this test of faith and love? If you can pass it, call 877-534-0780 or go to our webpage. Go to our webpage and there, no one has done it yet, nationalprayerchapel.com and give online. Have you enjoyed these messages? Have they been helpful to you? If they have, you can give. 877-534-0780 Now, the Lord answers Moses. This is chapter 17, Exodus 17, verse 5. Walk on ahead of the people, Take with you some of the elders of Israel and take in your hand the staff with which you struck the Nile and go, I will stand there before you by the rock at Horeb. Strike the rock and water will come out of it for the people to drink. Now what's he doing? Well, first of all, there are two rods. The first is the rod of judgment. That's the one Moses carries. Then there is a priestly rod, Aaron's rod, that is in the tent of meeting before the Lord. In the two stories of the rocks, in the first story, it is the rod of judgment that is used. In the second story, in Numbers 20, it is the rod of the priest that is used. The command is to strike the rock. Jesus was stricken. Remember Genesis 3.15. Jesus was stricken on the cross. He was judged on the cross for our sin. He was a priestly sacrifice, an atoning sacrifice for our sin. Now it's in that place that the Israelites quarreled because they tested the Lord, saying, Is the Lord among us or not? They could not pass this test of faith and love. What is in your heart? It's vital that you answer that question. And you can test very quickly what is in your heart by looking at what your actions have been in regard to people that have disappointed you or have spoken harshly to you or have cheated you? How did you deal with them? How did you deal with the man who borrowed money that you desperately needed and did not repay it as he promised? How did you respond to him? Did you respond, Brother, I know you can't pay this back. I know you don't have the ability to pay it back. And I forgive you. And I love you, dear brother. I'm praying for God's presence and blessing financially in your life. Or did you say, Look, you have to pay that back. I have to have it to pay my bills this month. I'm... Look, you have to pay it back. 
Remember the story of the of the king who had two debtors, one who owed him a great amount, millions of dollars, and the other who owed the, the first debtor just a pittance. The king forgave the man who owed much, but the man who was forgiven much went and grabbed the little man by the neck and was strangling him and threw him in jail because he wouldn't pay back that little amount. And Jesus said, this is what the Father is going to do to you if you don't forgive your brother from your heart. I'm sorry. Forgiving is not just saying, okay, I forgive you. It is a difference in how you act. It is your behavior. It is moral behavior called righteousness or innocence. Who have you cut off in your life? I have people in my life, I have even family members who have utterly cut me off. Some because they just disagreed with me. It's very painful. You try to talk with them, you try to make amends with them, and they've got ten more judgments, ten more accusations. And they're very righteous. And then you have another family member who who says, I love you. I love you. I've made foolish decisions too. I've done things that I think now are wrong too. I thought it was right at the time, but I, I made the wrong decision. You're no different than I am. So let's walk together. What a wonderful gift that kind of love is. So who have you judged? Who have you cut off? Who have you refused to make peace with? One dear man told me that his daughter had not spoken to him for 13 years. That daughter thinks she's entirely justified for cutting off her dad. He was the one who provided for her. He was the one who cared for her and gave her a home and a place. But in the bitterness of her heart, in the judgments of her heart, she has failed the test of faith and love. And it causes such brokenness and misery in our hearts. So who do you need to make peace with? Who do you need to make amends with? Who do you need to say to, I was wrong. I made the wrong decision. I knew better, but I sinned against God. I was hard-headed. I did it my way. And I'm laying down in torment now because I did it my way. Isaiah 50. If you light your own fires, you'll lay down in torment. Well, the New Testament says, carry each other's burdens. And the one who is righteous helps set right the one who made the mistake. Not cut them off, not judge them, not accuse them. Come on. This 17th chapter of Exodus is so very painful because we see the true heart of the children of Israel. If they could walk away from Moses, they would in a heartbeat. If they, if they could safely make their passage back to their day of being enslaved in Egypt, they would do so in a heartbeat. But they know they can't. They'll die if they try to make that journey. No. Verse 8. The Amalekites came. They were a a desert warrior people, ungodly, unprincipled. They came and attacked the Israelites at Rephidim. And then Joshua had to fight the Amalekites. 
Aaron and Hur held up Moses' hands. As long as his hands were lifted up to God, they were winning. When he put his arms down, because he was tired, the Amalekites were winning. God will put up with our bitterness and our anger and our our judgments, our accusations. He'll put up with that just so long. He'll put up with us failing the test of faith and love for just so long. And then he'll send the Amalekites into our life. Our bitterness and our anger and our demand to have what we want when we want it because we think we have to have it if we're going to survive. The Lord will only put up with that so long. The Lord God of heaven does not have infinite patience. It is not ever in Scripture called unconditional love. That's a lie of the modern theology. Nowhere in Scripture is unconditional love taught. If there were unconditional love, there would be no place called hell. There would be only the salvation of every person. And I've spoken with people who believe that every person will be saved in the end. No, that's not what the Scriptures teach. There is a place called hell. And God does bring judgment of death upon us if we consistently refuse to humble our hearts and walk in that love that he's provided for us. The place of gravest danger is for the children of Israel to say, we are chosen by God and we are special before God. And even if we complain, he'll still love us. And we're on our way to the promised land. No, they weren't. They finally tested God beyond the limit. And then he said, okay, you're going to die in the desert. You'll never enter into the promised land. And most of the people, all but two, died in the wilderness. I don't want you to die in the wilderness. I want you to pass the test of faith and love. They're the same test, by the way. I want you to be able to go by faith into the kingdom of God, into the promised land. And please, if if I've made you upset or angered you by the broadcast, please forgive me. That was not my intent. I don't come condemning any man or any woman. But it's true that The true heart is exposed by the test of faith and love. You've been listening to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Pastor Ray Greenley from the National Prayer Chapel. God bless you, my brother, my sister. I'm waiting upon the Lord for the $2,600. I love you. I'll talk to you soon. To him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy, with great joy. To the only God our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Jesus Christ alone.